Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 4, Episode 8. Today is Thursday, October the 24th, 2019. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. We have a fantastic group of guests today, and we're going to get right to them. Our first one is Diana Dybel. Diana, say hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. This is a long time coming, Diana. Uh, very pleased to have you on. Take a minute, share with us who you are, what you do, who you do it for. Sure. Uh, so I'm Diana Dybel. I am a lead designer at Grand Studio in Chicago. We are a digital product design consultancy. Um, what, what that really means is that uh, we get asked to do mostly really hard, ambiguous problems from very large companies. And those problems can be things like, how do we do banking for millennials? Or how do we solve clinician engagement in a healthcare system that's national and completely disparate? So we go in and we do a lot of uh, just research and concepting and connecting stakeholders and coming up with whatever the solution is in whatever medium or channel is most appropriate for that user group that still solves the business needs. So sometimes that's screen design, sometimes that's voice design, sometimes it's all of it mixed together with a little bit of service design. Um, it really kind of runs the gamut and it always comes together in a very um, holistic mixed media kind of way. And prior to this, I was very focused in solely voice design um, for years and years in a health tech company. So it's nice to be expanding into different industries and learning a little more about designing the world. Excellent. Thank you very, very much for being part of the show with us today. Our, our second guest is John Moon of Connected Travel. John, say hello. Hi, Bradley. Hi, everyone. Good to be here. Great to have you, John. Um, you got a really interesting company. Tell us uh, who you are, what your role with Connected Travel is, and what Connected Travel does. Yeah, so um, I'm Chief Operating Officer at Connected Travel. I uh, actually recently joined the company. Um, I worked with Connected Travel quite a bit uh, at my role in, at Honda, where we were looking at building um, vehicle experiences with the, for the consumer, for the drivers and passengers. And uh, I enjoyed working with the company so much and, and kind of engaging in what we were building that uh, decided to make the jump in and join the company. And what we're focused on is really looking at how do we actually engage drivers and passengers in vehicles. Um, and, and, and a lot of times that does end up including voice and voices uh, ends up being a, a pretty large component. But um, what's unique about the space or the actual environment is um, there's a lot of different things going on. A lot of, uh, a lot of things in that environment that can cause uh, you to make different decisions than you would if you were, say, in the home or, or in a different setting. So things like road noise, things like other occupants. Um, so it's, it would, it's a pretty interesting challenge. Um, and we, we also want to connect and drive that into um, experiences around commerce as well. So um, even additional challenges uh, to, to make voice work. Excellent. Yeah, you got a super interesting company. Both of you do. John, thank you very much for being part of the show with us today. 
Thank you. With that, we'll get to the news. And we've got some interesting stories on the docket. Story number one from Ars Technica. Alexa and Google Home abused to eavesdrop and fish passwords. And then I went ahead and included sort of a post, uh, sort of a next step from that, which is story 1A, which is that this uh, episode led to a massive worldwide pause in Google action availability, um, which is interesting to note, but really I want to focus on just the security breach here. And Diana, I'm going to start with you. Um, you know, Alexa and Google Home, they've been competing. Uh, they've been um, iterating. Uh, they've been working uh, on adding new layers, new features, and trying to, to ward off stuff like this. Um, how does this story strike you? Um, do you think that this is um, as severe as it seems? Or do you think this is just sort of another bump uh, on the road to progress? Share with us your thoughts. Yeah, um, <laughs> I kind of have this stance on this of like, if we build it, they will come. Um, people kind of suck in, the, in general is my very negative opinion of humanity. Um, and anything that we as technologists and designers put out into the world will find a way to get used improperly. So no matter how many layers they're putting on top of this, people are super smart. This was honestly a little bit ingenious of using a existing um, approach in buoy design to confirm a user input and then allow the system to just like listen during the silence. Normally we would use that for something like, oh, if they need to correct a piece of information, we'll keep that lingering there. Uh, and using it maliciously, people are going to do that. Like it's just the things that we as designers and creators of these products have to think through and are responsible for thinking through before we release even the pilot version, because once it's out there, people immediately start figuring out how do I hack the system? How do I get around it? No, that's great. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, people will find a way. And John, you know, I want to ask you the same thing. You know, how did this story strike you of the security breach? And with your perspective on um, applying voice as well as other emerging technologies in the vehicle, um, what are your what are your thoughts on this? What what uh, how does this story strike you with what happened this past week? Uh, well, I think the, the the response was, you know, even though it seemed uh, pretty drastic, was probably the appropriate response. I mean, voice has been, this technology has been um, um, under a lot of scrutiny and a, little, a lot of criticism uh, for what it can be or what, what it could be in, 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 if done inappropriately. Um, I think the, the big technology companies have been responding. You know, I think the good news is it's, it's, it's not you know, 1999 anymore. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, uh, 2019. I think a, a lot of things have happened in terms of privacy and breaches and understanding, um, computer security. And, and the thing is, is this, these, these things will happen. Um, as Diana was saying, people are very clever. Um, I think we're, we're, uh, I was reading a story about, um, um, uh, how kids are, are are getting around screen time. You know, it's it's as they adopt the technology, 
there, um, you know, we have to we have to kind of consider how someone might use the technology maliciously. But I think it's also the response. You know, how do we actually address these things? How do we actually uh, work to to clean them up? And and you know, um, hopefully that's together with developers to get together with the community to help do that because the there is utility. I mean, it's it's very useful, but um, you know. Just, just like a credit card is very useful, but it can also be used maliciously, and there's, there's also hacks to that too. So, um, you know, how do we actually keep its, uh, you know, utility and, and, and usefulness for consumers, but also, you know, um, hopefully we, we do these things or uncover these things sooner and earlier than, than we do later when they become a, a larger issue. It's interesting that um, this was discovered by a third party. Um, this wasn't discovered by Amazon or Google. Um, and that is interesting. It's also interesting to, to me uh, that um, this caused a whole cascade effect of Google Actions to be removed um, all over the world, and no one knew why they were being removed. It was just noted uh, by VoiceBot.ai and others that, hey, they're not available anymore. <laughs> and then only later were the dots connected um, back to this story. It really speaks to trust. Um, and, you know, these type of things are going to happen. But um, I'm curious, and, and Diana, I'll start with you just to put a button on this particular story. Um, does this episode of here, because this is a pretty specific thing that they discovered and you know it had it not been discovered it's um it's pretty wide open vulnerability and it also begs the question what other it's so such a huge hole it begs the question did you get it all yes or no does this question that does this does this story um change your attitude toward these mainstream smart speakers at all, Alexa or Google, um, from what you were or weren't already doing? And then I'll ask John the same thing. I don't think it's changing me personally. I think I have a pretty healthy skepticism of uh, the technologies and the companies behind them in general. Um, I, I know teams both at Alexa and Google, and I think that they are very um, solid in trying to put forth the best that they can and be responsible about it. But the companies themselves are, you don't know on a team what another part of a company that big is doing. And there may be partnerships, there may be um, sales goings on, there may be skunk works teams that want to have these open abilities to, uh, to let some things in for a variety of reasons. And so that may be in place. So even when they're, they're taking things down and sort of doing their due diligence to, oh my gosh, we got to like fix this. They're going to at the same time be somebody that's like, well, but we're going to leave a gap open um, because that's part of what's in our contract with whoever to do this. So I think there's this aspect that even when you're working on the team, you don't, you don't know really what's happening. So I think I carry that with me always. And I assume that if I bring it into my house, then I need to be aware that that's, it could be used, the, the information that I'm presenting to it could be used in a number of ways. And I think that's true, like not just with voice, with screens, with anything else. Um, we shouldn't make 
voice the bad guy here. It's just another input for information. Um, so it's, I think I'm just healthy, healthy skeptical or maybe unhealthily skeptical, but <laughs> skeptical nonetheless. I, I think, yeah, I, I think uh, you're not alone with whatever you want to call it. So trust what started low and it stayed there. John, what about you? Um, you have these in your home. You, does this cause you to think twice? Uh, if you do, um, what's what's the delta on, on trust from an episode like this for you personally? Um, you know, I, 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 I think to, to, to follow along Diana's kind of same theme in terms of team and, and, and what the other aspects of the company might be doing. There's also PR and then there's also legal. <laughs> and, and sometimes those uh, have, have more of the executive ear than, than, say, the product team. So, you know, I, I, uh, the, the response might not be the most friendly, I think, but is, you know, I think all things considered, maybe the, the right approach at the time. Um, I think, again, the technology is new. So how to address some of these things or, or understanding how um, malicious content can per, um, permeate through different um, applications, I think is still being um, still, you know, there's some a lot of learning that needs to happen there. This, this technology did get rolled out very quickly, and there are actually a lot of devices out there now. Um, so I think the, the response to something like this where potentially it can be replicated in a lot of different ways or deployed um, or, or could be in deployment and not, not known about. Um, so I think, you know, there's, there's a, a balance there. And, you know, the, I think there is the, the push to try to get the technology more adopted or more utilized. Um, I, I use all of them. I, I, I read the stories. I didn't rip them out and throw them out the window. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think for, for me, this is, you know, what they're doing helps kind of inform greater, greater inform the com voice community about what we need, the considerations around security that need to happen. I think that's an important thing to, to note is sort of what you just mentioned that, I mean, the, the growth of these devices is unprecedented. It's the fastest growing technology in the history of technology. So by extension, any response will also be unprecedented. Any issue they deal with is then unprecedented. And then any response to it is unprecedented. That's, a, that's, that's, inter that's, uh, that's an interesting perspective to sort of keep in mind. Um, you know, I definitely am on board with healthy skepticism, uh, but it's interesting just to hear those perspectives side by side. Side. Thank you both very much for that. Story number two, the voicebot.ai story of the week. I say it every week. You don't know what voicebot.ai is. Stop the podcast. <clears throat> Load up the browser. Go to voicebot.ai. That's sad. I'd have to tell you that. Just do it. Why home builders don't like how Google is integrating Nest devices. This is... Very interesting. Um, it's sort of a nuanced uh, story that uh, the VoiceBot has reported on here with what they're talking about. John, um, from the beginning of this show, smart home integration of Alexa, Google Assistant, some of the mainstream voice assistants has been a hot topic. Um, and so it's sort of interesting to see this headline. 
What are your thoughts um, as you look at this? Is this a non-issue or is this a uh, poor approach uh, for what Google's trying to do? So, you know, I, I have all three ecosystems in my house and it's, it's, uh, it was through purchase pattern and kind of the evolution um, even for myself. Um, and, and less interoperability for me is, has been more challenging. It makes me want to think about how to actually commit to a particular ecosystem. Um, and, and um, you know, I, I'm a iPhone user and using, using Nest products now. So um, if it becomes more and more challenging, that will be a harder, a harder commit to that. And also the, the addition of the user account um, and, and pushing the user account um, aspects to do home control is going to be, I think, more and more of a, of a concern for, for folks as they start looking at adopting these, these, these systems. That being said, it is the thing that makes it useful. Um, but it, I, I think what'll be interesting to find out is, you know, how is that going to then um, um, potentially um, slow down its adoption or slow down its, its implementation? Um, even though it had quite a bit of a head start. So Diana, I want to ask you the same question. Um, I want to ask you if you agree with what Google's doing or you think it's uh, a terrible blunder, but I also want to put it in context of some other things we've seen in the voice landscape at large. Um, and specifically with Microsoft, how Microsoft has adopted such an open mentality of telling everybody, hey, come on in, you know, from Xbox and Google Assistant, both, both on the Xbox to uh, this Cortana and um, Alexa uh, symbiotic relationship that really left a lot of people scratching their head late last year. Um, we've seen a little bit of everything uh, from wide open approaches uh, to uh, ones like this that are more closed. What are your thoughts as you look at this story? And, uh, you know, do you think Google's making a mistake here or not? But also, what do you see from some of the larger trends? Yeah, so um, to start with the idea that you kind of mentioned there of Microsoft being very open and, uh, and allowing everybody in, I think it is, it is really hard to wrangle that from a design and a company perspective so that you are ensuring a a seamless interaction for the people who are using it. Um, on the user side, it can be really great to know that any device can connect with this platform, but if every developer for every device is making it a little bit different, then the actual interaction model becomes different for the user. And while you are interacting with Alexa or Cortana, you don't actually know what the rules of the playing field are because it's different for everybody. We're this account login kind of feature, you are gonna get a Google experience. Whatever those rules are, those are consistent across the platform. So it, it does help, I think, in that regard to set something up, set up an experience that people know how to behave in. It does feel a little onerous and also, especially because we're thinking about this with a home, we haven't really seen this get played in in the home environment, the way that we have in other 
other industries. It's fine to apply, have to set up an account to apply for a job. It's fine to have to set up an account to get into your health portal. And we know that our data is going to get used in whatever way these companies are going to use it. It becomes more invasive culturally because we're such a private and independent culture to have that attached to your home and to have that identity marker that you are now living in a Google home. You're no longer living in your home with a suite of Google products or a suite of Apple products that moves with you. So to sell that home, then you're, you now have to find somebody who is also a Google experience person, which I think is where those contractors and home developers are really having a hard time with this because that limits the pool of people they can sell the home to. And it also is just like, it's a weird feeling. It's a weird feeling to say, go all in on one company and just like everybody else in the market, home, home developers are not willing to say, yes, we're only going to build with Google or yes, we're only going to build with Amazon or Apple or whatever it is because nobody has sort of won the playing field yet. And I don't know that anybody will. So it's, it feels like a really hard ask of both people and the developers. Yeah, I, I agree with, um, I, I mean, that, that, that point is, is great because why did the end component technologies, why did the sensors, why did those things that you're interacting with, why can't it be any system that uses those things to unlock the door or turn on the lights? Why does it have to then skew a certain way? And, and you know, you should be able to drop in the, the, the person that you invited <laughs> to be as, as part of the family. Um, you should be able to switch that out. And I, I, I agree with that kind of wholeheartedly. Why, why in this day and age when things interoperate so well, um, going this, um, this very um, walled garden approach seems, seems backwards or almost a little counterintuitive, especially in this ecosystem. Now, that being said, the smart home stuff is really hard to get to work all really well together. And I think maybe that's part of the challenge that they're seeing, right? Like, how do, I, how do they get the, the interactions or the requests to do the thing? And, and I think I've, I've seen this. Um, I have a number of different ways where I can set a schedule to turn on the lights. I have the, the proprietary system from the light manufacturer. I can do it on Siri. I can do it on Google Assistant. I can do it on Alexa. And now there's this, like, how does it actually get done kind of thing that happens um, because it is so open, um, as, as you first started to say. <clears throat> a lot of really good points. I, I love the... Um... First of all, Diana, just the, the point about um, that the home is different and, you know, the home's different than the car. It's different than the office. It's different than the phone. Um, it's a different set of rules and um, it's much more private. Um, at least how, that's how most people have sort of been trained to think about it. And I think that that's a, a good thing. Um, you're right. And then the other, the other sort of point uh, that stuck out to me is um, that I just think is interesting to think about is the resale value. And does doing any of this stuff, does Google's um, actions here influence, um, you know, it might not influence 
um, the price that much, but it might shrink the pool of buyers, which would influence the price. Uh, because if, if you're, um, you know, if you're looking at three different houses, you know, my wife's looking to move or whatever, and we go to three different houses and two of them are equal, except one of them is going to be a bit of Royal pain because it's all Google stuff all over the place. Um, yeah, that's a problem. So, um, interesting comments. Uh, yeah, all the way around on that. And, uh, that, that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I, I appreciate that. We're going to move on to story number three, pixel envy. Apple needs to rethink the entire Siri experience. So this is, um, (laughs) when I read this, I think of, um, the commercials with Captain Obvious in them. Um, <laughs> whatever alcohol that is with that guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you for, uh, enlightening us that Apple needs to do something a little bit different here. Um, but there are some interesting things that it's pointed out and, and generally speaking, as opposed to the beginning of the year, you know, when we entered 2019, um, you know, we talked about it in this show, uh, talked about it other places, um, Apple really playing from behind. Uh, HomePod, uh, full-on disaster, Siri uh, in meltdown. Um, you know, you don't know what you don't know what they're doing. They made some acquisitions. You know, like pull string was one, um, but you really didn't know what to make of it because um, Apple's doing Apple type of things and not telling anybody anything. Um, but now the perception is that uh, largely media-based, uh, more than anything uh, we've observed, that things are on the upswing. And, um, and so this article is in a little bit different context now than at the beginning of the year. Diana, I'm going to start with you. Your perception of Siri, your perception of uh, Apple's ecosystem, is it still as uncompetitive as ever, or is it uh, moving the right direction? Bradley, I know that you're not an Apple fan or a Siri fan. Uh, (laughs) I can't say that I am a huge Siri fan myself. However, I do want to point out that Siri has come a long way. I have noticed that it does things like um, if you ask it for a reminder when you're in the car to like, tell me to unload the dishwasher when I get home, it will geolocate when you walk in the door and remind you at that appropriate time that you need to unload the dishwasher which is really cool and not something I expect from Siri because Siri has been so far behind everyone else. Um, so I do want to just like throw a little acknowledgement out there. I know they're trying. Um, that said, it it is so far behind on everything else. And I think the kind of knee-jerk reaction that Siri has is to use other interfaces and the, the voice interface in general, which this article brings up too, feels like um, like a backup or kind of a second-rate citizen in the, in the atmosphere of what Apple has set up. So it's not doing any favors for, for voice interfaces in general, nor for the Apple ecosystem to have Siri as this like backup mechanism or kind of trivial plaything as opposed to a real interface and a real access point. Excellent. Yeah. And, uh, I'll, I'll come to my 
for uh, two cents on this at the end, but John, I want to ask you the same thing. Um, your thoughts as you see this article about, uh, you know, written from an Apple oriented author about how Siri needs to rethink the whole thing. Um, some of the things it points out, what, what are your thoughts as you sort of uh, look at that on where Siri is? Well, um, so, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time with Siri on the, in the car, right? So uh, CarPlay is the, the primary um, uh, platform I use in the car. And, and I think what you'll, you'll find is like as of iOS 13, there's some new features that actually help, will you know, look like it's moving in the right direction. And I, and I think, um, you know, again, as Apple does, there, there may be something big behind uh, what's, what's happening, or they may be incremental changes. And, you know, we don't, we don't know that, that what happens behind those walls, but, you know, they, they, add, they recently added Siri kit that allows Siri to control 30 par- third party applications. And I think that was a big, that's a, that's a big deal. And, and not so like Siri can now control and ask for music in, in Spotify, which, you know, it's, it's a, the, the Apple ecosystem's a big ecosystem. And so I think moving and changing, um, Siri and evolving Siri, um, you, you know, you noticed the Siri wasn't involved in that first headline between Apple and, and Google. And, and, um, that's, uh, maybe because they're a bit more cautious about how they're going to deploy voice and think about voice. So, um, I think it's just a, 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 a difference. I, I, I agree with you. I, I wish, I wish it could do more since I'm kind of invested in the ecosystem. I'm, I'm using a MacBook now. I have an Apple TV. Um, and, and we do find things that are, that are, um, um, probably remnants of how they're approaching some of the, the control of it, um, and, and how they're building it. So, um, and, and that being said, I think the, the, the users of that ecosystem are broader, right? So um, it being more intelligent would be great. But um, I think, um, you know, do, are people getting utility out of it now? I think, I think they are. Um, I, I find myself utilizing it. I mean, Diana, using the, the, the reminders feature is, is actually, I actually did not know that, that it could do that. So um, there are things being uncovered about it all the time. Um, but, but that being said, I think if they do kind of, you know, they were, they were first and maybe they're behind, but doesn't mean they can't jump ahead. I think that's, what's kind of most interesting about voice is that it's not a necessarily a visual interface. So you don't notice necessarily the change. So uncovering the change about voice is going to have to be through, through new interaction. So so, so, you know, such as the reminder, um, example, like I, I'm going to go try that. <laughs> I'm going to have to go try that. Uh, discovery seems to be kind of an interesting thing when it comes to voice. Like, how do you actually know that something is now different with something visual, like a website or something like that, you know, immediately you can see the difference. Um, but voices discovery on voice is, is a is a unique thing and, and it's 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 something that we we think about too when it comes to uh, how do you actually um, put something new in the car how do you actually inform a user that there's going to be something new about your experience and how do you make it not confounding while someone's driving a 
you know, 3000 pound vehicle down the road. Right. So. I think that's a really good point. And it's, um, and it's a double-edged sword because, um, on the one hand, um, you know, changes that are made, um, to Alexa and Google, the, you know, those ecosystems, it's hard for people to discover them. So there's a sort of quicksand that everybody's playing in that it's just, it's hard to move. It's hard to communicate. It's hard to, um, evolve the marketplace. Uh, on the other hand, it, it, it may very, that same dynamic may very well lock Siri in place because the same thing is going to be true for Siri. The perception, the, the first impression that everybody has is, Hey, this thing doesn't work. <laughs> and so it, given that it's hard to communicate change in this emerging technology, that's, uh, that's a problem for everybody. Um, it, it's a problem for Apple, you know, as they make incremental improvements or radical ones, it's a problem for Apple and Google as well. But I think it's interesting what you noted about, um, I think it's actually a really good point that Apple, you know, if you had uh, John Giandrea or, or Tim Cook on this show right now, they probably would be saying what, exactly what you just said. Look, did we did we have the security problem earlier this week? <laughs> oh, that wasn't us. <laughs> that was Amazon and Google. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, it's interesting that the tortoise, you know, that's like just creep creeping along. You know, is like laughing at the two hairs up the way. You know, for falling in the sinkhole um, or whatever. But uh, that's basically what happened here, and that's in, that's interesting. Um, so I guess we ought to give them some credit for that. Um, Great comments all the way around. Any closing thoughts uh, from either of y'all on what you hope to see from Siri or Apple as we head to the end of 2019 and into 2020? I really hope that they do something, some big overhaul, um, you know, to the point of that John just made about discoverability. How do you know when it's new? Like, I think they just need to, if they're going to keep Siri as a persona and keep Siri as the name, okay, but then you're going to have to do something big, like change the voice, change the, the way people interact with it, do something that is so past what we're expecting that it grabs the attention and lets somebody know that like, this is, this is all new now. And they're really going to have to think through, they do a good job of, uh, of connecting to other abilities of the phone, but they haven't gotten to the main interaction, which is conversation. They haven't really figured out how to do a conversation the right way. So I think they need to kind of just step back, scrap everything, start from the beginning and take that knowledge that they have and really go for it, go big or go home because they have the ability to do that. And it could be really impactful. Complete agreement. John, closing thoughts on Apple? Um, yeah, so um, I think I, I think there's a lot to go as 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 we say, and and you know we look at we I'm I'm focused on this kind of unique environment of the vehicle, and there's a lot of additional challenges in the vehicle as 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 like I mentioned before, um, you know you're you're either there by yourself or you're packed in with other folks. 
Um, you know, things like security might be a more is uh, issue as we start thinking about commerce in the vehicle. Um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily want to use a pin or um, how do you actually identify um, me versus somebody else? And how do you identify that as it scales even beyond? Like w what's interesting about the home stuff, um, I'm logged in, I'm the main user or maybe myself and, and, and other folks in my family. Um, but does that mean I'm making accounts for my children uh, as well for, for those ecosystems? Um, and then how do we actually, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, kids music in my Spotify now because that's what happens on the voice interface. <laughs> and and um, how do we actually begin to separate uh, me from other folks when the interface is common? Um, and, and, and that gets, that gets, compounded even further when you're in the vehicle. So how do I actually know who the driver is? How do I know who passengers are? How do I, how do we actually create distinctions between the two? Um, some of that can be done with sensors. Some of that might be with, with technology, but I think, um, you know, if you look at the way that the voice ecosystems exist now, it is a one person, one interface. And how do we actually begin to separate and, 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 and use that in a communal space, right? So that, you know, we know the differences and some, some ecosystems have that, some of them less so. Um, I think there's still a lot of challenges which makes it very exciting. And then, you know, we're focused on how those challenges exist in the vehicle. So um, it's, it's all, all exciting times. Complete agreement. Yeah, great comments all the way around and appreciate those. We'll go to our last question. It's a two-parter and, um, sort of put this together um, to, to paint a picture for, for our discussion here to close the show. Story 4A, Alexa Inspire Me. This is about um, Adobe's new Alexa skill called Adobe Inspiration Engine, I believe. Yep, that's what it's called, Adobe Inspiration Engine. Um, super interesting Alexa skill that basically uh, helps fuel creativity with different prompts and different things that it does. Um, and then story 4B, Alexa, do my homework. Um, this, is a <laughs> this is a story about uh, a child who uh, started using Alexa uh, to help uh, answer math questions and um, sort of tackle homework in a, uh, a, different, uh, a different sort of way. I'll put it that way. Um, I, you know, I love stories like these, um, and you can, you can get this sort of thing in a lot of different types of media that's coming out these days, but stories that paint a picture of what's to come and how these conversational interfaces and the AI behind them initiate new types of behavior. And they get us thinking differently. Um, who would have thought that, you know, there'd be some, uh, you know, surveillance technology, as Diana would probably say, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, sitting there, the, the echo sitting there uh, on our kitchen counter or in our, our, our living room um, that can provoke us to think in new and more creative ways. Um, and who would have thought that these type of devices um, would change the way that we think about education. I want to close the show 
um, and John, I'm going to start with you and then Diana, I'll, I'll give you the last word with, with these stories in mind, you can comment on either one of them if you want, but the, the question here is what has been the, your favorite thing that you've seen or the, your, your, your favorite outcome of this voice first era that we're in this conversational era what uh what do you think has the most potential what excites you the most um and you can reference either of these stories or mention something completely different but that's that's what we'll close with so john i'll start with you yeah so i saw the story and of course i i, I laughed i have a i have a child a seven-year-old uh, son who's doing math so I, I i and and he has an echo in his room so <laughs> I, I, I he hasn't quite figured out that trick yet um um but i suspect that uh that might be coming um and we'll have to have that conversation but you know it, what was what struck me about that um what struck me about that story in that video was you know he he wasn't necessarily using it in or he didn't necessarily use it to be malicious and it was a tool that helped him get it done. No different than a calculator. So, uh, it's like what becomes obvious to the next generation living with this technology in their home consistently and how they get things done. You know, like right now, most of the time, some, you know, my generation might be carrying around a task list, a list that you write down, or, or maybe there's a list on my phone. But in, in the home that has uh, Alexa or Google or, or, or Siri available everywhere, uh, you might just speak it and, and keep that list. And that, that might be the tool that you become reliant on to remind you of things or to, 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 to keep organizing your, yourself. And that efficiency, that, but how this technology can become and make yourself more efficient now in the future I think is is going to is going to be the 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 thing that we'll we'll be building on. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what becomes natural to people versus what's natural now. I mean, to a certain degree, uh, we we feel that everything on the smartphone might be natural, but is it really, or is it? Are we forming ourselves to the technology and and, and how it how it exists? So adding voice to that dimension um, because there are things that, that when done by voice can be very, very natural. Um, it's just, I don't think everybody expects it yet. And so when, when that proliferates and we see these in smart speakers now, like how is that, uh, how is that, how is that going to kind of change uh, society and how we expect things to, to, to work? Yeah, excellent. Uh, Diana, your thoughts, um, and uh, give you the last word. Uh, you got two stories here that sort of get you thinking in different ways. Uh, you've got that healthy skepticism, uh, as many of us do. Um, but what excites you the most about this era, this technology, this um, uh, emergence of voice? I had that exact same uh, calculator reaction to the, the kid asking for homework. Um, and I, that's all I thought too, was like, I had that same thing. Why did I have to learn long division? The calculator does it for me. Uh, you could see that on the kid's face. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, so two things are really exciting to me about where we're going with, uh, with the way that we're using voice. The first is that 
there is this, the more that we use it, the more that we see who is using it and the ways in which they're using it, it's bringing to light um, subcultures and uh, an ability for inclusivity that we haven't had in other products as much. Um, I think there's something just so innately human about conversation that allows us to see into people's lives and souls a little bit more than the way they tap on a screen or the the choices that they make during a flow. Um, that it's really like for humanity and for our wider culture, this is me being now like wildly optimistic, but it is, it is a way for us to connect and to better understand each other. And it's bringing out more of those conversations. The more that we have these um, machines to interact with where they're safe spaces, they're not going to judge us and we can be ourselves. And I think that is really, really cool. And I also think that as we can see by these, there's a playfulness that is involved in voice UIs and in conversations that really opens up this level of creativity that we can have as both users and creators of these experiences and really interacting with the world around us in new ways because of this ability to interface with it while we're experiencing the world. So I, um, I will give one quick plug for a uh, skill that I know nothing about. I don't know who the developers are or like where it came from, but it is so weird and it completely fits in with this stuff, which is, it's called the listeners. It's this really bizarre, like existential skill that's been out for a while, but you just like talk to it and you're like, you ask it about how it's feeling. You ask it how you're feeling. You ask what's your place in the world? Like all just sort of very bizarre questions. And there are multiple voices responding back to you. And it's the most bananas thing I've ever experienced, but I love stuff like that because it's so not what we're used to getting. It's not rote. And I think that that is a great example, just like these of the way that people will begin to interact, the more that we get familiarity and comfort with this. And the more that we as developers of it start to get a better handle on how to, how to provide that for people. Well put uh, for both of y'all. Uh, love that. Um, Diana, John, thank you both very much for being guests on This Week in Voice today. Th thank you for sharing not just your time, but your expertise and your experience with me and the audience. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thank you. For This Week in Voice, Season 4, Episode 8, thank you for listening and watching, if you're watching along on YouTube. Until next time. <laughs>